Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. I'm delighted to have with us uh, this afternoon Mark Saltmarsh, Head of Education and Age Grade Rugby at the RFU, who has come onto the podcast to chat about the half a game regulation. So welcome along, Mark. Thanks, Dan. Good good to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm hoping to uh, give you some uh, interesting questions and a few challenges to uh, ask about this area. But um, I'm sure you I'm, will, Dan. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be glad to. Uh, but of course, I'm with, we're very happy that you are coming along to speak to us. And um, you must be pleased, though, with the, the generally very positive response to its introduction. Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's that's been a sort of two year piece of work. Actually, we we originally floated the idea a couple of years ago um, when we had our, our review of under 14 to under 19 rugby and, and got some good feedback about the principles. And that's what's continued, really. The, the challenges come in applying those principles and and we've gone down a certain route with a regulation um, because that was the way that people told us we needed to to work in the first instance and and yeah we're, we're pleased with how it's going what we are getting is loads of really good feedback um on some of the challenges but also on the the benefits it's having and you know following the at age grey rugby social media there's some really good stuff on there just recently actually around um what people are doing with half game to keep players playing and um, who might have otherwise not have had a chance so that's exactly what we're we're trying to do so given that uh, you talked about the principles and I suppose that um, we will dive into the detail in a moment. But if a coach knows that principle or gets the idea of that principle, probably answers some of the questions. So what what do you feel or what was thought were the key principles behind this? Yeah, the I mean, the key one is about retaining players in the game. Uh, we know we've had a challenge, particularly in teenage the teenage years where where players are are falling out of the game and falling out of sport generally and we were trying to look at ways that that we could be in tune with their motivations for being involved um and what they were telling us through our national rugby surveys and and other information they gave us was they they just wanted the opportunity to get out there on the pitch um and we'd seen examples in the game of where uh, people were being left on benches or not being selected or or um people trying to get their best team out at the expense of other players and that really wasn't chiming with what those players were telling us so that the principle was absolutely about being player-centered giving them the opportunity to get out on the pitch as much as each other um, to ensure that they will want to continue to play the game and and the uh, research we did initially around our trial that, that Essex University helped us out with that was one of the big things that came through Dan is that um, enjoyment and being on the pitch are absolutely linked. Now, uh, one of the things you just said was um, that a lot about teenagers. So um, my, my thought is that it starts with the youngest year groups. They get used to the principle of the half a game rule. So that by the time they get to this, the teenage years, they are, that's, that they expect that. So yep. really, the the principle probably is key for the teenagers, as opposed to maybe nine and ten year olds, where it's uh, they they turn up, they're rushing around, and they're probably not thinking about half a game. It's probably it's, the games are quite short anyway. So mm. 
the teenagers are obviously a, a key part of that. I mean, I know that half a game uh, rule is part of this as a whole. D- do you sense that uh, it's going to make a change quickly or it's going to take a time time to bed in for the teenagers and retention? I, I think, j- just to rewind that a little bit, mm. Dan, I think the, the foundation years, so our, our kids' first years, and I know you're well aware of that, our under-7 to under-13 game, the foundations you lay there are absolutely critical mm. um, amongst players and particularly amongst adults as well, the coach, the referee, the parent, the spectator on the touchline. So half-game rules foundations at that stage are, are really important. Um, and you're right, if we can then carry that through into 14 plus when all the other challenges, all the other uh, life choices, whatever we want to call them, start to come in um, for for our players and for, and for all kids doing things outside of, of education um, come in, that's the, that's the key that we've laid the foundations. And what I think it will take time and it is taking time, but our our curve is really steep at the moment because we're in the early stages um, and the stories we get about uptake and that why wouldn't we question we get back from people is really pleasing that that there there are people who are saying well why do you need to tell us this um, and unfortunately there are people who do need to, to to be told to do it that's unfortunately where we are um, you and I have had conversations before it'd be great if we didn't have to regulate um, <laughs> but there are people and there are instances where we've seen seeing you know kids who were trying to keep in the game stood on touchlines getting cold and not getting on the pitch and that's uh, that's why we have to 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 do this so i think we've got a steep curve to start with a lot of uptake but it will have to take some more challenging people i guess with us over time now uh, one one thing which might be regarded as a danger is that uh, you're looking after the players who may be on the edge of a rugby squad uh, whose interest in the game is is there, but they're not getting half a game. So you're you're helping them out, and that's uh, that's crucial. Mm. Now at the top end, you've got other players who rugby is their life. It's uh, it's everything they do, and they're turning up, and uh, they've been. This is the thing that they've been looking forward to all week, and then they find themselves being substituted at half time. Um, or they're only getting half a game. I mean, there's lots of ways to um, cut this, obviously, in effective ways. And then they say, well, actually, um, I'm going to leave rugby because um, I can go and play another sport where I'm getting more game time. And uh, that's that disappointing them. Now, I don't know if there's any evidence of that, but I do know that uh, often those players and those parents as well are probably the more difficult ones to convince that half a game rule is there. Do you do you sense that that's um, a potential problem? Yeah, definitely a potential one. We haven't seen loads of evidence of it yet, um, but uh, as we said, we're in early stages, aren't we? Um, however, what we have done um, in the National Rugby Survey last year, we did do a specific section around half game, um, and that did include a number of players who were playing, you know, those players you're describing who are playing rep rugby as well as school rugby and sometimes club rugby as well. So they've got that real toss-up between their their sort of conflicting um, rugby experiences. Um, and they say just as much as the player, the other player you've described, who might be on the fringe of a squad, that half game is really important to them um, and also important that, that their mates get to do that as well. Um, so, so, yes, I think definitely there's a potential issue in there. Um, and And probably... We could align it a little bit to some of those challenges around those players who 
who get a lot of call on their rugby time um, and potentially might, might be a, a, another conversation another time um, <laughs> around overplaying and those sorts of things that mm-hmm. this balancing that half game is bringing some of them could be a could be a help but clearly um, we want to try and hear that sort of those examples you're talking around as well because they will be out there there will be people who feel they're not getting a go that they want to get to develop at a higher level now that obviously leads me on to the question about um i think the coach challenge is to sell this to the parents so a coach Mm -hmm. may think this is a good idea i then got to um sell this to the parents now the parents don't go on the coaching courses they haven't had all the information the videos they haven't been mentored by development officers on why this is a good idea and then they've got to go and sell this now uh, one of the things i'm picking up is that um say through facebook chat areas is that one coach will say i'm struggling with this another coach will say oh this all this stuff is out there um there is a challenge with the reach, um, but I'll going back to my, my question is that um, how have you helped coaches speak to parents? Um, so, so now the, the half game rule has been integrated into um, the England Rugby Coaching Award, so the entry level coaching award, um, as was level two. So that is actually within the content now. So there's a section in there when we talk about working with players. Um, and with parents around around this specifically. Um, And we're actually doing a job at the moment through our our coaching team. They're looking at how we can also include that into the Kids First CPD courses as well, so the age group CPD courses. And so so the actual application of Half Game becomes a topic that coaches will workshop, I guess, together within that that course environment. Um, and, And there's no doubt about it, Dan, the dialogue bit, is a massive massive part of this um and if if two coaches turn up on the day having not had a conversation not just for half game but in so many ways that's not gonna provide as good a quality experience for the kids than if they've had that conversation before so the dialogue between coaches is a really important part of it um so in addition to including that on the coaching courses you'll have seen that we're really pushing especially through social media now the, the information that we can provide to help people to really have that dialogue, have those conversations with each other on behalf of the players, not only on their team, but the players on the other team as well. Um, you know, it's a, a responsibility that, that I think we're all trying to share across the game. How do we keep players playing the game? And uh, the dialogue, absolutely crucial. And obviously, uh, lots of coaches will say, well, I do this already. And you're not saying to uh, you're not saying to these coaches you didn't weren't doing a good job before it's just to help no. coaches who are new to it and also probably need their uh, their mindsets changed to be more effective for for their players now um can you give me some specific examples say of advice you'd give to a coach who is struggling with maybe one or two parents to say well this is just not how we're going to become a great sporting nation uh, these players need to be competitive and uh, be ready, dare I say it, to go to war to win their, their cups. And now, obviously, they, that's the wrong language, but they are very competitive. So how is a, how is a coach going to help convince that, that parent, who's obviously very keen uh, that their child is playing a lot, mm. but also that they should be winning the games in front of them? I think that the first thing for me is, is about setting a tone. Um, and and almost a bit of a rationale for why we do what we do for in age grade rugby, um, and ultimately we're trying to help 
young people to have a journey in the game, aren't we? That, that no matter what ability they've got, whether they're a superstar or whether they're someone who's just started out and is, as you said earlier, is on the fringes of things, they're still important to the game um, because those players will become the, you know, adult second, third team club players of the future. That's what we want. And we know there's a challenge with that, keeping people playing sport and playing rugby. So so I think setting that tone is, is the first um, point. And that's really important um, in terms of parental engagement. I think the the conversation that you have with parents and groups of parents to set your stall out so they understand is is vital. Um, that I think is a pre-season thing as well as an ongoing conversation. Um, the second thing I would I would also um, advocate is a conversation about the player um, and the player's motivations. Um, not only their own son or daughter, but actually the group as well. Um, and and we have increasingly good data and insight around what players are thinking um, and what they want from the game. Um, and as we said, you know, one of the things they tell us is enjoying it and playing with playing with their mates is what they want to do. Uh, being with their mates is important, but they actually say playing with their mates. So so that indicates being out on the pitch is really important to them. Um, so that's the second thing. And then, then the third one uh, is is quite a simple one, really. It comes back to the dialogue question um, and and almost standing back and, and having dialogue with other parents who are less vociferous about this competitive nature of things and and why. Um, and, and, you know, we hear lots of phrases like living your sporting life through your kids and all that sort of <laughs> stuff, don't we? Um, and unfortunately, that, that is a reality. And, and we as as coaches and, and dare I say referees and managers and all those people have a little bit of a, a, a responsibility and a, a job around education. And I'm, I'm living this out in my non-work life at the moment. I'm a, you know helping out with an under-17 club team. We're right in that sweet spot of can we keep the players playing through these next two years into adult rugby? It's massively challenging. Huge range of motivations amongst the kids, the parents, and that sort of thing. It's it certainly helps the day job being in amongst it uh, during during the off off time. So, um, but it's it, it's for me, it's those three things um, that ends up with a, a real dialogue and sort of opening our eyes to to what other people are thinking. So, it's, I mean, it's a real challenge for coaches who probably um, come into coaching in for various different reasons, and they are then faced with a multitude of skills that they've got to pick up. Not only do they have to organise uh, kids running around left, right and centre and never concentrating, uh, and then the skills of the game, they've actually then got to pick up the skills to talk to their peers, which isn't mm. always a very natural thing to be able to do. So, And you obviously we recognise this as a challenge for them, and uh, there's lots of resources out there. So I'm going to ask you at the end anyway, but let's say... Um, a coach is just struggling at the moment. Uh, his first point of call would probably be other coaches at his club and his coaching uh, coaching coordinator, club coaching coordinator. Above and beyond that, where would he be going next? Say he's he's, uh, he's had a not a great experience on a on a, a Sunday and uh, he just needs to find some resources. Where would he go? Um, couple of ideas uh number one is is the social media key at the moment uh, so so we have an at age grade rugby uh, twitter handle that that then links out from everything around age grade rugby particularly into the kids first um twitter um, but also into keep your boots on and keep your boots on his coach and referee 
those from a social media point of view are excellent places to go and what we're trying to do as a as england rugby is is increase the amount of uh really easy to use accessible stuff on there um, a lot more video than we've ever done uh, a lot more um let's call them testimonials from people who are out there trying to do it and talking mm. about the, the challenges they've had. And then all that's backed up with resource as well. So it, it gives um, an opportunity for people not only to um, pick something up and go and use it, but also to read up a little bit more, more about other things. So that the online availability is far better than I think it's ever been. Um, but actually, the conversations now that are being had on those sites are fantastic. And I, and I know, Dan, you're on uh, on the Kids First uh, site regularly as well, aren't you? And it's the, the sharing of information about, I've got an issue, who can help me? There's some really powerful stuff on there. Um, and people are prepared to share, I think, more than ever, because we're getting into this mindset of, let's try and keep as many of these young people playing our sport as possible, um, rather than let's try and win, a, win as many games as we can. There's definitely a, a sea change happening, I think. And there's lots of very positive messages coming from coaches who are saying, look, I've got this, oh, yeah. I've got this. Yeah. But also uh, there's some honest conversations going on and saying, I've got this problem, I've got this problem. And other people saying, yeah, I share your pain. And yeah. this is, uh, it, you don't want coaching to be painful, but sometimes <laughs> it is. And uh it would be yeah. lovely if you could get um, 15 players and uh, their parents to th- all think in the same in the same way and yeah. uh, that never that never happens uh, no. you can't uh, keep everybody uh, happy so i think Can that's I very important that, Dan, just, just just to add something on that the social media is a really good barometer for us um because you you where you have a um an issue someone has an issue and they can't find the answer that's that's good for us because we can go out and say look there's something here that we haven't covered that we haven't got a signpost to or whatever it is so so people actually having those conversations through social media sometimes they're quite vociferous Mm. about things but that's that's the nature of the beast isn't it but it does give us a chance to be able to say look there's a there's an issue here we're not providing the right sorts of things for people let's get on to it so so it does give us a good as i say a good barometer for how the game is is feeling about things as well I mean, this is not a new concept for the RFU because a very long time ago, and I can't remember his name, but there was a, uh, when all the regulations, eight grade regulations were changing all the time, there was a guy who used to answer questions on the forums uh, all the time. And that was very powerful, again, because you didn't feel that uh, if you went on there that you were speaking to the big chief. You mm. felt that someone else would come in and talk. So I, I think that's very interesting that social media is now playing a vital part because I think there is a danger that you go to the national governing body site and you feel that you're going to be preached to. And to a certain extent, you can't get around that because if you don't preach, you're not, you're not sharing the principles. So Mm, that's important. Now, given that that social media is out there, uh, what have been those points where you thought, ah, right, uh, we need to uh, adjust for that because I'm sure there are things that you've thought, "Mm, yes, we, probably haven't quite squared that off or alternatively we have but nobody knows about it yeah i guess the from a half game point of view the the challenges that that we've heard um in amongst all the all the good stuff the challenges we've heard is this one around people picking less players in their squad Mm. um and and we we haven't necessarily got an answer to that um apart from 
what's the come back to what we talked about just now what's the central theme and principle of why you're doing what you're doing um because ultimately we're trying to provide opportunities for, for players to play the game um so that at the moment is anecdotal we haven't got anything to to really show that that is an actual um, incident but the anecdote is building so that's one of the ones we're trying to have a really good look at is 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 what could we help people with to to see how taking less players to a game might actually be counterproductive as as to to being productive um because are those players who are left behind playing somewhere else which is okay but if they're not if they're um, taking someone else's place in the next team and there are other players who aren't playing as a result we're, we're you know defeating the object a little bit um and we've particularly found sort of onto the next one in competitive games in inverted commas where it's there's a competition there's a something riding on the result um whether it be a cup a league league points or anything like that that really poses a challenge as well um and that's probably something a bit more cultural that we we need to think about um the impact of uh competition on behavior and therefore the knock on that has to the half game rule as well so those are ones we sort of the, the more stickier ones that we're hearing about to start with um but we're in listening mode you know we're halfway through the first full season of application of, of the half game rule so we're not going to jump and knee jerk anything but we're definitely in listening mode and and trying to hear what the game's telling us i think it's very refreshing first of all that uh, you're very honest that you haven't got the answers for this and uh, i i would be surprised if anyone says well the obvious answer is that uh, well apart from let's get rid of half a game rule and go back to where we were in the first place which is mm. not where you're going to and i think that some of these things may just sort of work their way through as the principle becomes more important i mean inevitably yep. whatever rule you have someone will try and find a way around it um, mm. i suppose one of the things that i've also picked up is some coaches feel a bit uncomfortable about possibly being the whistleblower um now there's two ways of that they might be they might go up to a coach at the end of the game says look i saw you had three subs who didn't have half a game now i think that's quite an uncomfortable conversation uh, even if you've had a good dialogue beforehand and the other one uh, is where and i know that there's been some quite high profile uh social media about this uh, about when after a game someone then submits some evidence to um a committee and says mm. this is this has not happened so again i expect you're probably still in listening mode any any thoughts around that yeah i, th- I think we've one of the things we uh, when we first investigated you know the the implications of doing a half game rule we we looked at um some of what other sports had done but particularly what had been done in new zealand rugby union and, and wales as well mm. um and and they indicated and, and we also saw that the role that the player and the parent plays is actually the most important one um and if we're really clear as a game that that every player should get half a game and as a player i'm not then then how i raise that with my coach is the is the key now parents clearly have a role in that when we're talking about age grade players as well so i think that was the first thing we saw that we weren't necessarily saying people have to go around whistleblowing that referees have to record all sorts of things when referees have so much you know so many other things that they're dealing with on match day as well um but it is a regulation and the principle that we talked about earlier still stands that we're trying to ensure here that the player who is maybe at risk of saying i'm going to step away from rugby 
gets on the pitch and says, I'm not stepping away from this game because it's giving me an opportunity to play. Now, that that player actually is, as we've said, is everyone's responsibility in our view. Um, and and I, I would come back to what we talked about earlier, Dan, is if I've had a dialogue with my opposing coach beforehand, we've talked about how we're going to implement the half game rule. How do you do it? Do you do quarters or thirds? Or how, how do you, will I do it this way? There's a real understanding between us. One, we're going to do it. <laughs> and two, how are we going to do it? And and if on the day we then liaise with our referee as well and do the same thing, that that has created that um, environment, I guess, that we're after. Now, yes, if if then something happens during that game that isn't appropriate, I think that gives more of a grounding for an opposition coach to go and talk to that other coach and challenge and say, we said we were going to do something here. Why didn't you? Depending on what you get back from that coach then is where you make a decision do i want to take this elsewhere does my club want to to make a um some sort of more formal complaint or whatever it is um but again as you said we're sort of listening to how this plays out a little bit um we want to get it right we want to be supportive and in many cases it's people have been a little less informed than others um or have less understanding than others that's part of the process we're in is sort of landing something different than you and making sure people have the education to to know about it um but if people the channel is open for people to to come to us and say look i've seen something that isn't supporting player retention and development to do with the half game rule we will listen and as it is difficult i mean i my uh, my own way of doing it perhaps would be to nudge the other coach to be better behaved so have the dialogue before we're we're obviously running the half game rule uh, mm. Would you mind at the end of the game just feeding back on how you felt it worked for me? And did mm. you think I managed to do it well? And yep. then then they are forced to start. And you don't even have to say anything yourself. You, They might then think, well, just about they're probably observing me at the same time. So that might be. And another one is that the, the ultimate one. And I've seen a few people have said this. And uh, certainly when I did our club rugby in in Swansea, uh, if we felt that the coaching group that we were up against we're not positive. Uh, then we said, well, we're not going to play the fixture next year. Uh, there's mm. plenty of other teams to play and that uh, we want our players to have a enjoyable day. I mean, it's not about winning. And, I mean, it is about winning and losing to a certain extent, but it is about everyone coming away and not having that far uh, increased heart rate about yeah. having those conversations. And that is a very uncomfortable place to be. Now, another one uh, that I think has caused uh, some people... I'm not quite sure where this is going and perhaps you can uh, um, put a bit of light on this is that uh, they're not sure about the balance of sanctions. Uh, now this is, this is someone I read on social media. So they, there may be a, a different answer to this, but uh, if you don't register your players, uh, there's not much of a sanction, but um, there have been some cases of public sanctions for breaking half a game rule. Do we need to sanction clubs? Is that the right way? And that's the question which has been thrown out, I suppose, on yeah. this. Yeah, the, the whole of... So Regulation 15 is our age-grade regulations mm-hmm. for the game. There, there's there's a lot in there. And we've actually been in a process over the last two years of trying to streamline it better. Um, because it's a, re, it's a good point. Why regulate something that you can't then or don't then apply? Um Whereas what we've done with, was, although it's our first full year of regulation of half game rule, we had two years ago, we had the trial 
uh, with with our our two counties that we we did the trial in. Um, we then had a year of um, voluntary half game rule, and and met, you know the uptake there was was huge. Actually, it was really good. So we sort of went through this process of introducing before we got to actual regulation implementation this year um, and taking age grade reg registration as the as another part that we've we've changed this year this is our first year of annual online age grade registration so to come in and straight away um, change things at this stage and go to a sanction uh, system is something that we'd be more guarded against not that we wouldn't um, if someone was clearly absolutely breaking regulation um, but the education process is in an earlier stage than it is with half game um, so so I think what we're trying to do is be a little bit um, pragmatic might be the word as well around just trying to make sure that we're not draconian but we're also not just saying you can do what you always did um, which is a real balance isn't it because mm. we're ultimately we're all about trying to support colleges to, to to play the game um, but we're trying to make sure that they're doing it in a way which enables the player to be retained or in, to start and stay in our sport as well so so that's where the regulations come in so I, I mean just to wrap things up uh, and you've answered um, a lot of the the areas I think people are worried about I suppose one which shows that the principles should be applied more than the regulation is the question about safety now uh, mm. i've read some very interesting and excellent chats on social media which really i think helped shape a lot of people's thoughts so you get a new player who's just arrived and um when are they ready for their first game so this is a decision you're going to make so you you, yep. you don't have to play every single player in your squad you have a match day squad now, of course, some people have abused that, but you're using that match day squad to say, right, you're now in the match day squad. I'm expecting you to play half a game. Now, the player might then say, well, actually, I'm not ready, or the parent might say they're not ready, and you have a conversation. So I think that's quite uh, been a quite useful conversation yeah. to have, and it shows the principles. Now, um, let us say that that new player does get on the field and clearly looks uncomfortable. Um they look like actually they they for some reason they may have had a bad experience right up they might have a, a Billy Vanapola type situation going mm. running at them and knocks them for six uh, to mix a rugby and a cricket metaphor. What? How do you sense that the principle and the regulation work with with the coach says right actually this this is is the end for this player because he's crying and I don't really want him to play anymore. Yeah, if um, we'll come back to the the principle of the most important things to players playing is enjoyment. Mm. Um, now it's not enjoyable to feel that you're out of your depth or or that you've been hurt or whatever. That's absolutely, and, and that's why that's built into the half game regulation. So so if a player's injured um, or the player's safety is is um, an issue, then absolutely that gives the coach the the opportunity to say, look, let's let's bring you back out of the game. Um, without playing half a game, that is written in as as one of the elements of the regulation. Um, and I think people, you're right, Dan. People are being really sensible sensible about that. Um, some will try and use it. We know some will try and use it as a way to um, have players playing less of the game. Um, and what what we've seen in some competition matches is people apply that when they don't in non competition matches that's some of the anecdote we've heard um so it's almost a 
um, a regulation of convenience uh, a little bit. <laughs> and that, that, again, the worry, and that takes it right away from the principle of we're trying to help these players to get out on the pitch with each other, which is what they tell us they want to do. Um, so it is, so absolutely the welfare, and you know, the, the, the welfare issues around young people, players, etc. at the moment is, is huge for us. Um, and we do know as well in the game, you know, the biggest fears that, that young people, well, all players actually of all ages have is the fear of injury. Um, so it's we have to take that seriously, and that's why we wrote that into the regulation. Well, Mark, you've given us some uh, great insights. Uh, being very honest to say that uh, it's going to take a bit of time to bed mm. down, but uh, that was always the case, and I think we can all agree that probably some coaches will see the regulation as, well, this is just what I normally do anyway, and yep. it's probably to help other players, other coaches nudge. And I think the other thing which is important is that there are lots of resources about how you can use it to your advantage, um, about how you can serve, roll on, roll off, or keep keep track of what's going on, the problems that yep. some people have got with large squads um, as opposed to small squads. But, um, I mean, if there's, if there's one thing to capture what you felt has been the, the, the best response that you've had so far, what would that be? Yeah, a really good measure of the response, Dan, I'll be honest, is is when when some of the challenges have appeared, whether it be on social media or, or whether media-wise, we haven't had to be the ones who are responding all the time. Um, the game has responded. Um, and, you know, when, when initially we announced that we were moving to regulation, there, there were some of the players who play in the Premiership responded on on social media and saying you know tongue-in-cheek a little bit but oh this would be great in in our first team as well at a premiership <laughs> club so, so actually the game has the game has got on board and has um sort of back that principle we've talked about i guess and been really proactive in in answering some of the challenges that have been raised but also where people have genuinely asked for help how do i do this the game is willing to to respond um so we've you know done our bit and we'll continue to do our bit. And in some ways, we'll have to do a little bit of playing bad cop, whereas the game does the does the good cop bit. That, that We have to accept that's our role as, a, as the governing body of the sport. Um, we'll turn as much of it into good cop as we can because <laughs> that's where we want to be. We want to support people to play the game and, you know, fall in love with it and st- stay in love with it for life. That's that's what we're trying to do. So, um, But the game itself has really stepped up, I think. And, and, and you know, the more in other areas that, that we can help the game to do that, the better. Great. Well, thank you, Mark. And thanks very much for your time on that. Uh, I think the key message is that if you have got further questions uh, or you are struggling with even the smallest problem is jump onto social media. Someone yep. will will be there. And I've, I've seen it. There are lots of uh, great advocates, champions for the sport as a, as a whole and the principle of half a game, which I think is which is almost more important than saying it's a regulation, mm. uh, though we know why that is. So, yeah. again, thanks, Mark, for your time on that. And um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening in. You can find out more about the podcast by going to rugbycoachweekly.net and clicking on the podcast button uh, to find this podcast and many others. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks for listening to Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. If you want to hear more podcasts, head over to RugbyCoachWeekly.net and click on the Blogs tab to catch up on any episodes you've missed. We look forward to speaking to you again soon with more insights from coaches and experts from the world of rugby, sport, and learning.